If you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 9, and then you may be seated. It says, He came hither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? What doest thou here, Elijah? For just a few moments, I would like to pose a question to you, and let's change it into a little modern day language. But what are you doing? What are you doing? See, we've all been called and there's all purpose, but what are you doing? You may be seated. You know, when, when, I don't know if you picked up on it, but I said that my week had been a little bit of a whirlwind. That was a little hint on where we were going because Elijah went up in a whirlwind, right? In a chariot of fire. But listen, think about Elijah. He has found himself in a cave and, and he is now here and the Lord speaks to him and asks him, What doest thou here? See, Elijah, I want to give you a replay of his life. Do you you realize that Scripture doesn't tell us who Elijah's parents are? Scripture doesn't tell us exactly where Elijah was born. We know that he he is a Tishbite. We know that. So we can assume that he was born in that town, but we don't know that. So listen, I know, listen, I was not raised... In the Pentecostal faith, I do not have a bloodline that goes back 40 generations of people praying through the Holy Ghost. I know that I don't have grandparents that jumped up and down and glorified God and praised God in tongues. I know that I don't have the lineage that some people in this room have. But I also know that Elijah was a mighty man of God. So first off, don't let the adversary tell you that you're not important. You don't have the right bloodline. You don't have the right connections because God used a man that we don't even know who his parents are to move and shake nations. Elijah, we don't know where he came from, but we do know that Elijah met the needs of a widow woman, a widow woman that knew that she was going to die, that she had just enough cake for her and her son, and then it was all over. She knew that this was all that was there, and Elijah goes to her and says, listen, if you will just make cake for me, there will be enough for all. He had the faith that when it came down to it, even though there was just a small portion, he knew that God could increase it where it could be plenteous. He knew that God could move. He knew that God, and he had faith that God could do it. What about when he said, listen, there is going to be no rain. Anybody in here said, listen, it's going to stop raining for the next three years. Anybody made that prayer and stood strong by it? I mean, I know the meteorologists and those people on your news station say it's going to snow and you can't believe a word that comes out of their mouth because it's probably not going to happen. But Elijah says, listen, I have enough faith in God and I have enough faith in my prayers that when I say it's going to stop raining, it's going to stop raining. And then it's not going to start, Brother Tommy, until I say so. That's a lot of faith. Think about it. You just looked at a widow woman that thought she was going to die and you said, listen, there's enough. You looked at the, at the king and said, listen, you're wicked and the rain is going to stop. And listen, I know how I feel from time to time. 
when I say something. And I know that God told me. But Brother Tommy, I walk away and I go, man, dear God, please, please let that come back. Just because there's always that small part in our mind. But he stands before the king and says that the rain will not come until I say so, basically. What about when he stood against Baal, those false gods, those gods that had built an altar, and, and he said, listen, you go out and let's pray to them. Let's, you, you have your God, we'll build altars, we'll build it on the mountain, and you go ahead and pray to your God, and you let your God go ahead and consume the sacrifice. Have you ever in your life said, you know what? My God is so good, I know he's going to meet this need. And if you lay that down, I guarantee you, you'll never pick it up again. Huh? Do we have the faith to talk like that? Do we have the confidence in our God to talk like that? Do we have the strength in our faith to rely on that? See, he tells them, listen, go ahead and pray to your God. And then he also mocks them and says, listen, what? Is your God asleep? Maybe he's on break. Maybe he's napping. Maybe you should wait a little bit. Maybe it should be a different sound. Something needs to get his attention because I'm sure he's there. But through that, he conquers all. And God rains down fire from heaven and absorbs and consumes the altar. 450 false prophets of Baal are sacrificed at that time. He saved a woman from the end of her days where she thought she was going to die. He caused the rain to cease and to not fall anymore. And then when he stood before the false idols, not only did God show up in a mighty way, but God also conquered the people that were leading the nation into sin and absorbed them and destroyed them, 450 souls. And now we find himself in a cave. In a cave. We find him running from trouble. We find him in a place where he just doesn't know what to do. If you look in James chapter 5 and verse 17, it says, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. Some translations will say that Elijah was a man like you. Listen, he walked with God, he spoke with God, he had a relationship with God, and God used him in a mighty way. But we also see a time in his life where he wanted to put his head under the blanket and say, I'm not going any farther. Poor, poor me. Poor, pitiful me. See, and we see him at this cave, and we see that he is running from the king and the king's wife. The queen is out to kill everybody. And Elijah has forgotten all the things that God's done. He forgot about the widow that was getting ready to die 
and God allowed the meal to continue to reproduce, reproduce, reproduce. He forgot about the time when he said that it's not going to rain anymore and he prayed and it dried up to where the earth could not bring forth substance for three years. He forgot about the time when he was standing on the hill mocking that false God and his God showed up in a mighty way. What he saw was what was before him and he forgot what was standing outside the cave and the Lord is what was standing outside the cave. It says, because the Lord came to him and said unto him, what doest thou here, Elijah? And he says, Lord, I've been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they seek my life to take it away. There was a translation that I read here and it said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of the heavenly armies. The Israelites have abandoned thy covenant, demolished thy altars, executed your prophets with a sword, and I, that's right, just me, am the only one left. And now they're seeking my life to get rid of me also. Man, that sounds like I can think of times in my life when that was me talking to God. Forgetting about the times when God's intervened and I said, man, God, I don't know where you're at. I'm all alone. Have you forsaken me? I haven't heard from you in days. Do you realize what's going on in my life? Do you realize the trials that my family's going through? Do you realize the situations that are going on at work? Do you realize the things that I have to do that I don't want to do? But where are you at? That's where Elijah was. The only difference is he wasn't sitting in an air-conditioned home. He wasn't sitting in a, in a cruise control car. He wasn't sitting in a nice cushy office in the corner. He was sitting in a cave in the dark saying, God, I don't know what's going on, but everybody's going to die. They done left everything that you told them to do, and I'm all alone. By the way, I'm 200 miles away from my problems. Elijah's traveled 200 miles away from his problems. He's walked 200 miles to get away from it. And he's still saying, they're coming after me. I'm the only one. I'm the only one that is there. The Lord said unto him, he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind rent the mountains. And break it in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. See, why do you think that the Lord told Elijah to come out on the mountain before God and then this wind comes through? Because when you read through Scripture you will see where God has spoke in these instances. You will see where fire has rained down from heaven. You will see where the earth has shook. You will see where winds have blown. And God has spoke in a mighty way. But God didn't speak in any of this. But I also want to take a challenge you to think about it this way. Elijah had caused the winds to stop. Elijah had caused the rains to cease. Elijah had called down fire from heaven. 
And God was doing all of those things right before him. You know what he was doing? He was doing a replay reel in your mind. Elijah, do you understand who you are? Do you understand what you can do? Do you understand the authority that I've given you? Because God didn't speak to him the whole time while that was going on. And it says, and then a still, small voice. It wasn't in the earth, the wind blowing. It wasn't in the earth shaking. It wasn't in the fire coming down. It was that still, small voice. That time when you get alone with God. That time when you start seeking his face. That time when you start listening a little harder. See, that's when he started to speak. See, the world wants to make noise just like everybody else. The world wants to distract you just like everything else. The world wants you to think that you're weak. The world wants you to think that you're not important. The world wants you to think that you're not able to stand firm. The world wants you to think that you'll never be able to walk that line. The world wants you to think that you'll never win that person or that person will never hear what you have to say. The world wants you to believe all of that and it's screaming it at the top of its lungs like a tornado coming through your life. And every day you sit in it. In my office at work, I've got, I'm on the second floor and and we have the little, I have, listen, I love you all. I know you love me, okay? I don't know what it's called. I'm not a contractor. But those little eaves that have the windows in, it looks like a little house, okay? You guys can laugh at me now because look at you. Sister Cat's like, oh my gosh, I'm putting my head down. But I have one of those in my office. And the, sh- the, the, sh- the shingles on the side of it, I guess, you know, the building's 50 years old. But when the wind comes in, you just hear that rattle. They just shake. The whole time in my office. And, and I can tell, listen, if it's just like a little wind, it's still rattling. I'm like, okay, what is that? I, this is a new office. I'm like, I got to get used to this. But that's what the world's doing. See, when you get in your quiet time, the, wor- the wind's still blowing and those shakes are still rattling. And it's still trying to tell you that everything that you did in the past wasn't forgiven or covered by the blood. And you know what? Those people that you've been praying for, they're not, it's not going to happen. It's, it's, there's no way. If God has given you a word for your family, your coworkers, or somebody in your life, you've got to claim it. And you've got to believe it. Exactly when Elijah goes to pray, this isn't even my notes. When Elijah goes to pray about the rain, he goes in prayer and prays for the rain to come. He sends his servant out to the hillside to look and look in the distance. The servant comes back and says, nope, no clouds. Everything looks the same. How many times have we been like, okay, God, I guess you're not going to do it. I'll go on down the road. But yet, we're praying here in this room and you have had people that have spoken your life about your family, your children, your grandchildren being in church and returning to God. But yet, we don't look at the door and go, okay, they're not here. I'm going to go pray. Because we should. He sent him out seven times. Seven times. And if if we hear the first time or the second time, nope, it's not working. We want to start changing the game. We want to start changing the approach. But God already told him, when you start to pray is when the rain will come. And so he just kept praying. He knew that God had already told him what was going to happen. And he said, listen, you know what? I prayed once, it didn't happen. Is it there? Nope, okay, I gotta pray some more. Is it there? Nope, I gotta pray some more. See, he had that kind of faith. 
But yet we find him now in that cave and the Lord saying, what are you doing? So I want to ask you, what are you doing? When the world makes noises that are louder than your God, when the noise that is in your life is blocking out God connecting with you, when the, when the voice of God cannot get through the chatter that you're surrounded by, are you seeking his face or are you listening to the adversary? Because see, just like I said, the world wants to tell you that you're too weak. You're not important. You'll never make it. There's no way you can do it. There's no way out. It's not settled. It's not finished. It's not done. But the word of God tells you that you're strong, you're a child of his, that he cares about you, that he has a plan and he has a future that he has established for you, that he is able to break addictions and to overcome things in your life, that he is able to change circumstances. But are we listening? See, even though all that stuff was happening and Elijah hears that small voice speak to him, it says that he heard it. And it says he wrapped his face with his mantle and went out. Brother Tommy, I'd never seen this until about a week ago. He wrapped his face in his mantle and he went out and stood in the entering in the cave. God told him a few verses ago to go stand on the mount before the Lord. And he's still in the back of the cave. And he's hearing the wind blow outside. He's hearing the earth shake. He's seeing the fire in a distance, probably at the glow of the cave. And I can guarantee you that his mind was probably that Jezebel has found me. Her, the, the armies are here. They're going to take me over. They're going to kill me. This is the end. This is it. I am done. They've traveled 200 miles just to catch me. I know that it's all finished. And then he hears that voice that he knows. That small voice that speaks to him. And he realizes who it is. Have you had that moment with God where he speaks into your life and you don't even understand what he did? When he changes things and circumstances and the only thing that you can do is just cry and weep before him. It says he wrapped his face in his mantle. Can you imagine? I can imagine him wrapping this cloth around his head and just continually saying, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I can't believe that I did this. I can't believe that I'm here. I can't believe that I put this much faith in myself and not in you, that I forgot all the things that you did. I can't believe that through all of this that you've been faithful. Through all of this, you've stood right here with me. Through all of this, you've never left me nor forsake me. See, Brother Pat, though I walk through the valley of a shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. He's never going to leave you. But we let the world speak so loud sometimes that we forget that he's there. And you would have thought that would have been his response. The still small voice says to him again, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he says again, I'm very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thy altars, 
slain thy prophets with the sword, and I, even I, only am left, and they seek my life to take it. I don't know about you, but if I have a moment with God and God allows my home to shake and fire to fall outside and the winds to blow around it and then he speaks to me, I don't know that I'm going to say, man, you know what? I'm still feeling the same way. At least I hope I wouldn't. But if I do, what am I doing? See, God has tried to get a hold of Elijah and get him to understand who he is, to understand the power and the authority that he has. See, Elijah could have said, you know what, God? I'm excited that you're here. I'm excited that your army has showed up. I'm excited that the children of Israel are going to return back to their covenant. I'm excited that you're going to let me build altars. I'm excited that you're going to let me train up new prophets. I'm excited that you're going to lead me forward in this next battle. But you could do the same thing. You know what, God? There was an addiction in my life and you broke it. And I'm excited for that. There was families that had walked away and you've opened their heart and you've turned them back to truth. And now they're in church. I'm excited that there are people that are getting on our vans. I'm excited that we're knocking on doors and people are coming into church. I'm excited that Brother Josh is teaching Sunday school classes. I'm excited that our Sunday school department is growing. I'm excited that we're getting ready to start a daughter work. I'm excited that there's souls that we're going to reach. I'm excited that there's work for us to do tomorrow i'm excited that there's things that the ministry is doing see what i'm saying we can do all of that or we can say it's just me here i am nobody in my work's gonna follow god nobody in my family's gonna come to church nobody on my street's gonna let me talk to them i knocked on their door 15 times and they still haven't answered i know they're home i saw their car We can do that. Or we can say, God, you're in control of it all. You're in control of every situation and in every circumstance. See, because what Elijah didn't understand is that God had a plan. He tells him, he says, listen, go anoint Jehu and go anoint um, Jehu and then go anoint um, Elijah to take your place. Go anoint Elijah. Aziel to take the place. All, all of these places, God says, tells him that there's three men that you're going to go anoint to be leaders of nations. And he says, you're also going to go anoint your replacement. Man. This isn't in my notes, but I wonder with Elijah, if his, God had faith in him. Elijah never sees death. He's taken up in a chariot of fire before Elisha, who is now going to take his place. But what if in that cave experience, he had came out like I came out? What if he would have came out and said all those things that God's good for? Those prophets that you're going to let me train up. Those men that you're going to let me lead. Those altars that you're going to let me build. But Tommy, I wonder if there would have been decades more for him. Because in the very next two verses, God says, go anoint the guy that's going to replace you. 
That's scary. That's scary. Because tonight, this church stands on the threshold of greatness. This church stands in an area where we are getting ready to carbon copy and duplicate ourselves in Montgomery. It's going to take Sunday school teachers. It's going to take bus drivers. It's going to take ushers. It's going to take a media team. It's going to take a praise team. It's going to take those who can play instruments. It's going to take ministers. It's going to take everybody. And we don't want to stand at the door and say, it's just me. I'm the only one. Because not only did he call these three men for Elijah to anoint, he left 7,000 in Israel that had never been to knee to Baal, that had never kissed the statue. 7,000. When Elijah looked and said, it's only me, I'm the only one left, there's nobody else. God saw 7,000 men and women that were in Israel that had never bowed a knee to that false god. He saw the 7,000 that had never turned away from their covenant. He saw the 7,000 that were still worshiping and honoring him. And listen, right now, he sees this community around us. He sees the souls that can be converted. He sees the souls that are under a addiction he sees the souls that are under control but he also sees those seeds that have been planted those doors and those hearts that have been knocked on those ministries that can grow up and sprout up tomorrow but we have to see them also we can't just see us if you'll stand we can't just see us we have to see the souls that are there the souls that are around and the souls that God is calling us to lead and to be an example to Listen, I know this evening was a little different, and, and I'll tell you, if you'd seen my notes, they're a little different too. But listen, we have to remember, you are a child of God. If you are baptized and the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, you have that same God living inside of you. You know, I, I asked Pastor Bounds multiple times, and we've talked about it here in the church multiple times, about miracles and healings that they have over in Crusades, and why do we not see it here? And, and we see miracles from time to time, but they're just hungry. Aren't they, Brother Pat? They're just hungry. Like there's nothing else. And we are a blessed people. And we see ways that we can do it without God. I don't want to ever feel that way. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. God, I thank you for this example of Elijah that you've shown. God, I know right now, Lord, that you are victorious and we are victors through you. But right now, God, I pray in our mind that if there is anything that comes against us, God, that that makes us seem like we're small or not important right now, I pray that we would take a step of faith and we would stand firm before Satan and for our adversary and say that we are victorious through Jesus Christ that we are victorious through it all because there are things right now that we let speak to us. And right now, God, I pray that you would put hearts and minds and you would put burdens in our spirit for souls and co-workers that we would continue to share your gospel and share it with this community. In Jesus' name we pray and amen.